Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of Title Fight, Season 2 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Title Fight is also available as an ebook and as an ad-free, unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash titlefight. You're not taking this fight, and that's the final word. Vicor the Black spoke with all the natural authority of a Quith leader. That was the irony of the Quith culture that when a tiny, frail leader spoke, the hulking death machines known as warriors quivered. And sometimes that was literal, as in quivered visibly. Genetic manipulation. Such a wonderful thing, especially if you were at the top of the ladder. To English-speaking ears, the Jim's real name was a string of gibberish that loosely translated to black power. Some of the humans thought that was funny but Vicor never really understood why. Small spotlights lit up trophies, belts, medals, and cups won at fighting tournaments all over the galaxy. No matter the fighter's stature, the gym kept these mementos of victory. Glory for a single fighter was really glory for the gym, and when the fighter died, either in the octagon or for other, less glorious reasons, his memory lived on in this room. Do you understand me? Vicor said. Korak the Cutter wouldn't meet Vicor's gaze. Instead, he looked down at the thing held in his lower arms. The big warrior stood still and tall, his chitin lined with the scars of fifty fights, dozens of battles, and a little muscle work for the mob. Petty palps hung motionless at the sides of his head. The lower arms held his heavyweight belt. When he spoke, his deep bass voice drew a curious counterpart to his leader's thin bark. You want me to give this up, Shamakath? The term? Respectful. The tone? Insolent. But that was what you wanted in a fighter. That's what you cultivated. The smart ones, you trained them to be just a little insubordinate. Subconscious training, like so much of the instruction given to the warriors. Most of the brutish creatures, you wanted them to blindly follow orders. Warriors are expendable after all. They are soldiers, born to fight, born to die. While still in the egg sack, they hadn't been strong enough to stop their broodmate, the one that would be born a leader, from castrating them in a process as old as quith evolution itself. Some, however, weren't quite so subservient and showed leadership traits of their own. Maybe during that battle inside the egg sack, they hadn't lost by much. And that was good. The Quith Nation needed decision-makers who could also fight on the front lines. Battlefield commanders, beings that could tear an arm off one second and make a spur-of-the-moment initiative call the next, send their company on the attack, or see a hopeless situation 
and rally into a defensive posture to conserve resources and mitigate loss. Quith leaders had learned centuries ago that you couldn't make all military decisions from an armored bunker miles away from the action. Sometimes, the beings that did the killing had to make the call. Those were your sergeants, even some lieutenants, beings that had the hulking mass of a warrior but were almost smart enough to be a leader. Beings like Korak the Cutter. Those beings you trained to be a touch insubordinate, to allow them the illusion that they could think for themselves. You trained them that way, so when you told them they were a failure, they pressed on. So when you told them they had lost, they kept fighting. So when you told them it was over, they dug deep and persevered. But, unfortunately, when it really was over, these warrior leaders were the last to figure it out. Your time has come, Korak. You are undefeated. You retire undefeated. You retire a legend. You retire an icon for your species. Now Korak looked up, his softball-sized eyes showing a wash of colors that betrayed his emotion. The black of rage, the deep orange of betrayal, and a touch, just a touch, of the crimson that represented fear. I'm undefeated in record only, Korak said. The human called me out. Called me out. The phrase of an individual responding to another individual. A human phrase. A human sentiment. More of the cultural pollution brought through this constant mixing of the species. Quith were hardwired to adapt to any environment, to take in all environmental factors and create constantly improving formulas for success. Their cultural adaptations were no different. The human cultures, driven by sports like MMA and rugby and the style of football known as American, those cultures had already shifted the Quith outlook so much it was impossible to remember a time without them. Kyal, the heretic North, embodied those human cultures perhaps better than any single sentient. The first human who Quith leaders and warriors alike actually rooted for. The son of a purest holy man who espoused a primitive supernatural belief system that openly sought war and the destruction of all who saw the galaxy in a different way. Kyal had abandoned that culture for a new one, for the code of the warrior, for the call of solo battle. When he had discovered that the person he was wasn't good enough to win, to become champion, he changed everything about himself. Attitude, style, his body, his thoughts. Other humans fought. Other humans modded up. Other humans won, but those sentients added layers to an existing core. That was merely adaptation. The heretic changed everything. The old sentient he had been was dead, and in his modded shell stood an entirely new being. Death and rebirth in the same body. The Quith sensed that in Kyle, sensed his ability to abandon what was and force complete change. If there was an analogy for the Quith culture, for the reason the Quith continued to spread across the galaxy faster than any other race, that analogy was ironically a human, Kyle North.
In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Korak walked to the wall and hung his belt back on its lighted frame. If I retire now, I have a loss. The worst kind of loss. The loss of pride. Damn this stubborn warrior. It was time to stop. Time to rest. I will tell you when to be proud. Do you forget your place? Korak looked down at Vicor for a moment. Then back at the belt. Red, white, and blue ribbon material held up the gleaming platinum oval decorated in its center with diamond letters that spelled out I-F-A. Hammered and tooled letters around the oval's top curve spelled out Intergalactic Fighting Association, and along the bottom curve, Heavyweight Champion. The small spotlights reflected off the thousands of diamond facets, those same sharp, small reflections playing off Korak's cornea. If he wants the belt, then he has to take it. Take it from me. Vicor had to control the situation, and fast. Korak was the greatest of all time, but that time had passed. Nothing but experience, a cheap shot, and some luck brought him the win against Mark the Mangler Wheeler. If the fight had been decided on pure skill and strength, if it had been a fair fight, Wheeler would now be the champ. And for all of Wheeler's speed and skill and strength, he wouldn't last a single round against the heretic. You've got 46 wins and zero losses, Vicor said. The greatest record in the history of the IFA, in the history of interspecies fighting. You will retire and do so now. You will lead the sport with honor, bringing honor upon this gym. That is what you will do. Korak took another step toward the belt. 
his left pedipalp reaching out to stroke the red, white, and blue band. And then what? What do I do then, Shamakath? You can help me train others! What a stupid question. Beings would pay everything they had to train under Vicor the Black and his greatest warrior, Korak the Cutter. Korak's life would be a life of pride, of making new fighters, of watching them embrace the battle. I am not a trainer, Korak said. It has to end sometime. Nobody fights forever. Korak nodded. Another maddeningly human trait. That's right. Some warriors give it all, like Brokaw the Razor Barbed. Brokaw died, you idiot! I don't... Vigor stopped, the words trailing off. I don't want you to die, he had almost said. And that was ridiculous. Why would he say that to a lowly warrior? This wasn't about emotions for a lesser being. This was about business. Korak the Cutter, alive, was worth far more to black power than Korak the Cutter, dead. This warrior was not obeying, and Vicor the Black had had enough. Do you know why Brokaw died? Korak said nothing. You already know. You were at the fight. Because your limited intellect is clearly offline, I will say it out loud to make sure there's no confusion. Broca the Razor Barb died because he shouldn't have been in the ring with Kyle North. The heretic is just a human. I will not back down from a human. I will not shame my species like that. The heretic isn't just a human. He is the best. Do you hear me? The best! Do I need to run a holo of the Brokaw fight for you? Brokaw was old. You are old! No, that's not- Enough! You are not the fighter you once were, and even in your prime- The words slipped out before Vicor could control them. This fool of a warrior had enraged him, made him lose his temper. Korak looked away from the belt, the tiny diamond reflections sliding left along the curve of his cornea until they vanished. The champion stared down at Vicor. Shamaketh, are you saying that even, even in my prime, I could not have beaten this human? Vicor started to speak, then stopped. It was too late. He knew it. The warrior's game was the fight, the battle, the physical realm. The leader's game was the mind, thoughts, emotions, manipulations, and Vicor had played his game poorly. I will fight the heretic, Korak said. Train me for this fight, this last fight. No, I forbid it. You will not fight him. You will not fight again. You will join me in my gym, and that is final. I will fight. You will not fight. I am your Shamakath. Korak reached out his left middle arm. He did it slow, non-threateningly, and placed his hand on Vicor's middle shoulder. Following your will has been my life. Without you, I'd still just be muscle for Greedock the Splithead. I'd probably be dead already. But you are not my leader. You haven't been for a long time. My Shamakath is the Octagon. I go where it tells me to go. Fight when it tells me to fight. That is my life. And now, it tells me to fight the heretic. Vicor had one last play, one last desperate play, to stop this certain suicide. 
And what if I cast you out? What if I throw you out of my gym, renounce my domain over you? What then? Korak's petty palp slipped away to once again hang motionless at his side. His eye flooded with the rusty orange of betrayal. Then, then I will fight as a ronin. A ronin. A masterless warrior. A position of great shame. And yet, Korak would do that in order to fight the heretic, in order to court certain defeat and a probable death. A little bit insubordinate? No matter what Vicor did, Korak was going to step into the octagon. Korak and the heretic would settle this face to face. Korak the Cutter would go it alone, and that was something Vicor could not allow to happen. I will train you, he said. I will train you for this final fight. Korak the Cutter, the champion, the most dangerous sentient in the galaxy, dropped to all fours, resting his weight on his middle arms and his legs. This brought him to eye level with Vicor, and then the champion did a motion that held the same meaning between both Quith and human alike. He closed his eye and bowed his head. The sign of submission, of fealty. It meant, I submit to you and only to you. Vicor reached out and touched the small, armored nubs that were a warrior's antenna, which meant, I accept your loyalty. One more fight. Just one more. You have been listening to Title Fight, Season 2 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Produced by Ariok Morningstar, with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.